You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Whiplash. This place is nice. I really like the music that they play. Bob Ellis on the drums. <laughs> I'm part of Schaefer's top jazz orchestra. It's the best music school in the country. The key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. Have fun. Five, six, and... I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. Little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and... Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will gut you like a pig. Oh, my dear God. Are you one of those single-tier people? You are a worthless pansy ass who is now weeping and slobbering all over my drum set like a nine-year-old girl. So how's it going with the studio band? Good. Yeah, I think he likes me more now. I push people beyond what's expected of them. I believe that is an absolute necessity. I want to be one of the greats. And because I'm doing that, it's going to take up more of my time. And this is why I don't think that we should be together. I would never let him put my son through hell. Why would you let him get away with what he did to you? There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. everybody you were just listening to the trailer for whiplash and the story is as follows andrew neiman is an ambitious young jazz drummer in pursuit of rising to the top of his elite music conservatory terence fletcher an instructor known for his terrifying teaching methods discovers andrew and transfers the aspiring drummer into the top jazz ensemble forever changing the young man's life but andrew's passion to achieve perfection quickly spirals into obsession as his ruthless teacher pushes him to the brink of his ability and his sanity. The film is starring Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, Paul Reiser. It is written and directed by Damien Chazelle. Joining me for this 2014 retrospective podcast review, I have Amanda Spears. You're such an asshole. Oh, what, excuse me? <laughs> My favorite line from the movie. She's like, I want to be great and you're going to stop me. And she's. It's funny you mention that, actually, because I'm going to mm, I actually have a, a, a neat connection to make with that scene specifically when we get to it later. But before we do, we also have Josh Parm. Hello. Hello. Dan Bayer. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> <laughs> and also as a Patreon guest here joining us today, we have Connor Olin. Connor, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be back so quickly. I did not expect it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, this was kind of uh, my fault, I guess. I, I scheduled this podcast review pretty late, actually. I think I only gave the team two days notice. Otherwise, uh, I'm sure we would have had a full uh, podcast squad here to talk about what is surely uh, one of 2014's best films and also uh, regarded as one of the decade's best films as well. <laughs> 
Yay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is not going to go the way that I uh, thought. That's very interesting. I can't wait to dive into it. A little backstory for everybody here. Uh, Whiplash is the second film from Damien Chazelle. People seem to forget that he had another film that came out before this one. Uh, that was actually his senior thesis film called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. It was because of that movie that he uh, was going to uh, make Whiplash, but they wanted a proof of concept, so he got to make this short that uh, premiered at Sundance, won a prize at Sundance. The following year, he comes back at the next year's Sundance uh, with Whiplash, as we know it today. It goes pretty wild from there. Uh, the movie is by far the runaway success story of that Sundance Film Festival. It continues all throughout the year and ends up garnering uh, five Oscar nominations, three wins, including a nomination for Best Picture as well. So let's talk about it. Uh, Connor, I want to start off with you, actually. You're the guest here. Uh, thank you. What did you think of Whiplash? So this is one of those movies where when I saw it for the first time, the hype was so extreme that I walked out of the theater thinking it was a little bit overrated. But now that all this time has passed, going back to it now, I can definitely say that the hype is warranted. This film is unbelievable. It may not be one of my uh, personal favorite movies of the decade, but in terms of sheer filmmaking originality uh, and the tool, the cinematic tools that are used, and it's just, this is a masterpiece. And I feel like, I, I was going to say, I feel like no one can disagree with that, but I might be proven wrong. Yeah, well, well, well let's hear. Uh, why don't we uh, go over to Amanda now? Amanda, what, what, what do you think of Whiplash? Uh, you know, do, do you have like different reactions over time with it? Has the reaction stayed the same? What do you think of it? Oh, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with it now because I, I do love the film, but it made it possible to make La La Land, which I hate. So. Oh, no. oh now we're gonna get into it okay this is a review of whiplash everyone not a review of la la land calm down yeah i i do i love when an independent film is made as well as this is because it justifies independent cinema there's yes. no fat on the film and i've i've walked out of movies before like we've all have and said you know this movie should win actor or actress or director or cinematography it's i've never before this movie walked out of a movie and thought this is going to win best editing sometimes you don't know where they're going to go with that decision at the oscars yeah. right it can go in so many different ways but i do agree with you that it's hard to walk away from whiplash and not say my god tom the cross <laughs> 10 minutes is so amazing it had me like in tears because it was just you, without that last 10, 15 minutes, the movie doesn't work. Agreed. And if there's anyone who knows how to end their movies, it's Damien Chazelle. Because I, I, I think that's probably the thing that he nails the most with all of his movies, mm -hmm. is he sure knows how to craft an ending. <laughs> well, I've watched the last five minutes of La La Land. I have no problem with that. The rest of <laughs> <laughs> All right. Remember, it's a review of Whiplash, everyone. God, Dan, Dan, I know I, I can tell, but I'm going to ask you to refrain from your La La Land thoughts. What do you think of Whiplash? I'm, uh, I'm laughing because that the ending absolutely makes the movie. It Everything about it is perfect, except that it does not fit 
with the rest of the movie. Ooh. Interesting. The narratively speaking, there it, it none of it makes sense at all. And I'll I'll save that for later because I like like Amanda said like this movie has absolutely no fat on it, which I love. Well, actually no, it does have some fat in the fact that it has a female character that it could not care less about for no reason at all other than to give Melissa Benoist another lovely role for her resume. Um, and you could cut that out and really not have the movie change that much at all. Sure. Um, but other than that, and which I don't begrudge the movie that because Melissa Benoist is lovely, um, it, it has no fat on it. And the the performances are good. The cinematography is good. The editing is out of this world good. Um, and yet I, I always walk away going, what's, what's the big deal? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm curious when we get to that point, uh, in the review here, I want to dive a little bit more into that actually. As far as movies about the drive to become a singularly great artist go, Give me something that takes all the chances in the world, like Black Swan, over something that something like this, which is well done and well put together and well performed, but has nothing particularly new or interesting to say. Okay, fair, fair. I'm not disagreeing with you on that necessarily. I, 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 I will. I have thoughts on that as well, which I definitely think we will uh, touch upon later on as well. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Josh Parm, uh, what about yourself? Well, I remember seeing this movie back in 2014 and being a really, really big fan of it. Um, It did make my top 10. I think it was my number two film of the year, actually. And watching it again, I don't know if I would place it quite that high, but I still think it is one of the best achievements in film from that year. Uh, What is really striking about it is just how strong of a directorial effort this is. It feels so confident in the filmmaking and in the storytelling that it's going for. And I really like the performances in it. And I mean, yeah, all of the craft elements, particularly the editing, as I'm sure we will continuously praise on this movie is just so incredibly, uh, so incredible and so excellently executed. I will say that this is a movie that, never really has one major thing that like really sinks it for me, but it does have a couple like little things that add up into taking away my enjoyment of it. And I can't quite go on the full blown masterpiece uh, kind of territory with it, but I still think it's a really, really, really well done movie that certainly I think is one of the best films of that year. Yeah. I think that, it's funny because when I uh, saw this movie back in uh, 2014, it was actually uh, my second favorite film as well of that year. And rewatching it uh, over the years, it actually rised up to become uh, one of my favorite films of the decade. And in conversations I've had with lots of people since then, a lot of people do hold this film in very high regard. I want to actually start off by talking about the themes of the movie because I think that what prevented this movie from winning Best Picture, what prevents this movie from being considered maybe in that territory of quote-unquote masterpiece is I do agree with what Dan is saying. It kind of does lack 
something like really truly important to say like it lacks like the passion that it would get from people um i think it's like the king as amanda said of like indie filmmaking and of just solid filmmaking craftsmanship it is so impeccably put together uh from the way it's shot to the way it's um done with the sound the editing of course as we've uh mentioned before and we'll continue to mention again the performances the writing uh everything about this is just super tight tight as a snare drum right but in the end it's not something that i think that necessarily pulls on the hard strings or is advocating for some form of political activism or is something that is going to get that passion from people uh to place it as like a number one choice on a ballot for like best picture and as a result i think it does kind of hold back sometimes from the people saying it's a uh, masterpiece of a movie because it feels small it feels contained right am i wrong here i think that's the point of the film though Mm -hmm. is that it's contained is that this is about it's not trying to say anything other than this is about a kid who has a very specific dream. And yeah. unlike Black Swan, he's not a core member of a like a huge ballet or a huge orchestra. Well, I mean, he kind of he is. Has- he's one student among many in a, a prestigious conservatory. I would argue that he's actively always fighting his way to get into it, though. But being a student and being a part of like a symphony or an orchestra is a okay. very different. Fair, fair. So he's at the very beginning. So we're following this path. So I... I do think that the Melissa Minot scene is important because it gives you insight into his mindset where it's like, yeah, he would love to have friends. Yes, he would love to have a relationship with this girl. And not to quote Katy Perry, but in another life, you know, that kind, of, that kind of a relationship may have worked if he didn't have that kind of specific dream where he's like, yeah, I can see what's going to happen is you're going to want me to spend time with you. I want to I pursue this and I need to focus on it. You know what it reminded me of, Amanda? And I was alluding to this earlier when you brought up that scene, actually, at the very, very beginning. I got some really heavy Mark Zuckerberg in the social network vibes from Miles Teller's uh, performance. In in those scenes specifically. And also the scenes, too, with his um, father and his, uh, his cousins. And just how whip smart he is with his, like you know, comebacks and stuff. And the screenplay like kind of goes out of its way to just make him sound as much of a douchebag as humanly possible, but like in a very smart and assertive way that I was like, oh, wow. Like he's so driven and so focused that I I have to admit, it reminded me so much of the social network in that regard. I mean, I think Miles Teller does a very good job at making the character someone that you at least want to follow. Like, He's an asshole, but he's an asshole who has a passion and cares about it. Like, you understand why, at the beginning, Melissa Benoist would want to be around him. Sure. And we all gravitate towards passion, right? Yeah. So that that makes perfect sense. Um, I think that when that passion becomes obsession, as the movie is obviously trying to communicate to us, that that's where a very dangerous line gets crossed, right? And I think for Andrew, it's psychological and emotional abuse from someone that's supposed to be a mentor, that's someone's supposed to help guide you. Unfortunately, his methods for helping that to guide him are dangerous. And I think there is a very, very interesting conversation here in regards to Fletcher's methods and whether or not if they are proven to work. 
especially with the examples that he provides um, when he talks about Charlie Parker and Joe Jones throwing the symbol at his head, for example, much like how he throws a chair at Andrew Neiman's head. Um, what do you guys think of Fletcher's methods in this movie? They're completely well, I, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and yes, but I think, <laughs> but I think also that's the interesting that's dialogue that the movie's working with, though. That I find it to be so compelling is that I don't think this movie necessarily says one way or the other that these methods are like it's endorsing anything that Fletcher is doing. And I think that what you come away from this movie with is this notion of if you want to strive for perfection, which so many of us want to do, there is a cost to that. And yes, these methods are extremely hyperbolic and rather dangerous, but is that something that you're willing to sacrifice? And I do think that the movie is is working with a very interesting dialogue with that. And I think that's why people gravitate towards this story and these characters, because I think it, that's a very interesting conversation that it brings up. As he tells uh, Andrew Neiman when they have a little sit down in jazz club, you know, there is no line. The next Charlie Parker would not be discouraged by the methods that he throws at him. And he will never apologize for trying to push someone to that point because too often, and this is my favorite line in the movie, when he says there are no two words in English language uh, more harmful than good job, I think that says everything that it needs to say about the Fletcher character. We, we may not agree with it, but I think that at least through that line especially, we understand where he's coming from. One of the things that uh, really impressed me uh, when I rewatched it this time was just how... I remember this performance being very good, but also kind of one note. But going back, J.K. Simmons has a lot of scenes as the movie goes on that remind us this man is an awful human being, but he is still a human being. And in that scene uh, in the restaurant, we see that he has he has reasons why he does the things that he does. And he has a passion that's very similar to Neiman's. And I think we'll talk later about that, that scene where he's talking about his previous classmate. But there is a humanity underneath this gigantic beast. Is there, though? Yeah, we'll get into that actually a little bit more with the examples <laughs> that Connor just said, because I do have something to say on that. Let's go back to Amanda. See, I disagree. I think there is a line. I think physically assaulting him is is not the same thing as verbally. And when they say, oh, the next, the next Charlie Parker would never be dissuaded, I would say look at Harvey Weinstein. And look at what he did to all of those women whose work we will never see because of it and what we might have missed their brilliance because of it. So I do think there is a line. And I would also point out that in that ensemble core, there are no women. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th that is something Even that I do is one, notice. Yeah. Even though there is one in the professional ensemble at the end. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Damien Chazelle drew inspiration from Full Metal Jacket and Arlie Emery's uh, performance, I think, a little bit with Fletcher. <laughs> right. And that's why the movie might be so dude centric in that regard, because it is meant to be psychologically abusive in the way that the army is meant to like break you and make you into tough men. And I do think Arlie Emery's uh, performance is very much like. Uh, J.K. Simmons' performance at times in the way that it's written, at least, with those uh, verbal abuse, uh, abusive uh, insults. And, and there is also something to be said for the fact that, like, jazz has 
always very much been a boys club in terms of the instrumentalist okay fair i didn't know that interesting i mean it's like if you go through the list of classic jazz musicians oh in that regard yeah you sure will not find one woman yeah that makes sense yeah. jazz is- vocalists you will find lots of women but when it comes to the instrumentalists that has always been seen as men and the thing that men do and it's so, like the, it could have been a comment on that but the movie doesn't do anything with it i 100 percent agree and that is one of the places that the movie does lose some points for me especially because they do like sort of make mention of it a little bit, like when uh, Fletcher is sort of having those impromptu auditions in Andrew's class, and he specifically calls on the only girl in the room. (laughs) And it's like, so the movie sort of already acknowledges this very masculine environment, but then it doesn't interrogate that at all. And that is certainly a missed opportunity in terms of the themes that the movie's working with. Sure. But that's not what the movie's about. So I mean, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm just saying that like there there is a line that I think as a teacher and as an educator, he definitely crossed. Yeah. I I think we've all had hard teachers and yes, I I do think constant praise is bad, but I do think there is a point where it's like, okay, these kids are their parents or they're on, they're on student loans. Someone's paying for them to be there. Hey everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is a preview of our full review of whiplash here on the next best picture podcast in order to get the full hour and a half long review you will have to head on over to patreon where for one dollar minimum a month you will get the full length review and other exclusive podcast content as well thank you so much for listening to the next best picture podcast you can subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud google play stitcher TuneIn player fm acast Castbox, and also on spotify be sure to leave us a review on apple Podcasts. let us know what you think of the show we really appreciate your feedback and your support thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time